When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of of the nails in his hands, and I put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out with your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that though believing you may have life in his name. Here ends the reading. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. There are actually times you get up to preach where you think the children's message is so much better than your own message, so this is one of those moments. Retain that and bear with me for this. When I interviewed at Shepherd of the Hills way back um, five and a half years ago, one of the questions that was asked of me was this, which biblical character are you the most like and why? Oh, there is someone from my call committee here. I was looking around. Alyssa, thank you for showing up. Um, And it was the one question that I was like, oh, I, I actually didn't answer it. Um, I rewrote it. But it, because in my head, as soon as it was answered, asked, I started to think of all my favorite biblical characters. And they're so horribly flawed. And I thought of Jacob in the Old Testament, who's twins with Esau, who steals his birthright. And he just does all this awful stuff. And I knew I couldn't name him. And then I thought of my favorite prophet, Elijah, who is fed by ravens, and well, I just haven't had that experience. Um, But then, you know, he at one point just like kills all sorts of people, so also not a good one to choose, I think. And then I got to the New Testament, and I thought about Peter, who denies Jesus, and Judas, who betrays them. And then in between, there's like these holier-than-thou people, and I'm like, ugh, I can't choose any of them. And so I instead said, well, here's my favorite Bible story, and this is why, and somehow you all accepted me and even dared to call me as your pastor. So thank you, call committee, for taking that risk. Um, I'm ready to answer the question today. Five and a half years later, I've got my answer. Thomas. Thomas is my answer. If, which biblical character are you the most like? Thomas. And here's why. First of all, 
Thomas doesn't get an elaborate storyline. He doesn't have a lot of details about his life, so he's kind of a safe pick. You know, we don't know the ins and outs of his daily experience, so it's a lot shorter time period to, like, relate to. But when Thomas shows up, he has good things to say. Thomas appears in the Gospel of John about three times, and each time he shows up, he is often saying something profound or asking a question. At one point, the disciples are kind of scared about if they're going to go and see Lazarus, and Thomas says, even if we will die, let us go. Now, I can't say that I have courage like that, but I aspire to it. And there's another time where Jesus is talking opaquely as he does, and all his words are floating over the heads of the disciples, and Thomas says, wait, what are you talking about? How can we know the way to where you are going, Jesus? What do you actually mean? I always like the person who speaks up in class when the professor is saying things that we just don't understand and dares to ask the question we're all thinking. Thomas does that. And then we have this text, this most famous text of Thomas, where he goes and admits the things he's struggling with and doesn't understand. He says what he thinks, and he says what he feels and what he needs. And frankly, I relate. Brian did a pretty good job of summarizing the story, although there's some biblical imagination differences we might have from each other. It is on the very same day that Jesus has appeared to Mary at the tomb. It's that evening that this story happens. And the disciples are behind a locked door. They are hiding in fear, and Thomas isn't there. Now, I don't like to think he's running an errand. I like to think Thomas is doing something courageous, like he's at the tomb looking for Jesus, or he's with Mary, like hearing her firsthand account of the narrative. The Bible study on Wednesday said, well, aren't you being generous to Thomas? We don't know he was courageous. Well, that's true, but I like my version. And then Jesus appears. He appears to the the others, and they have this remarkable experience so that when Thomas comes back and greets them, they don't even let him get a word in edgewise. Thomas, guess what happened while you were gone? Jesus came. He appeared to us. We touched him. It was so amazing. And as I think about Thomas, I think how disappointing it would be to be the one guy who wasn't there. To be the one person who didn't get to touch Jesus with his own hands and see him with his own eyes. And I totally understand why, why Thomas says, you know what? Until I experience that, I won't believe. I mean, why wouldn't he? Wouldn't you long to have that same experience? Wouldn't you wonder why Jesus appeared to everyone else, but it showed up in the little brief period of time you weren't there? Why was this the case? But luckily for Thomas, the things he asks for are indeed met. And so Jesus does indeed return. And he doesn't come back angry because Thomas didn't believe and because he doubted. He doesn't come back to chastise him. But Jesus comes the same way he came to the others, with greetings of peace. 
Peace be with you, Jesus says. And then he goes to Thomas. Touch my hands and touch my side. Don't doubt, but believe. And Thomas does. And then Thomas makes the most profound statement of faith in the entire gospel. He doesn't proclaim as everyone else does, I have seen the Lord or we have seen the Lord. He says, my Lord and my God. Saying that Jesus who has appeared and stood before him is not just his teacher and his Lord, but this is God in the flesh. God who is alive. God who loves him and is with him right here, right now. And Thomas believes. Thomas ends up getting this bad reputation. He gets the nickname Doubting Thomas, which I actually think we should consider rebranding. I think it's a good nickname, but unfortunately for too long, the church has kind of shook its head in disgust at that. Like, oh, Doubting Thomas, you wouldn't want to be one of those guys. But I actually think that's wrong. Because doubt is such an important aspect of who we are as people of faith. It is in our doubts and in our questions that I believe we grow closer to understanding God. We're able to explore the mystery of believing in something that we indeed cannot see or touch. And we actually get to wrestle with what this means for us in our lives. But I think because for so long, People lifted up doubting as a bad thing that for us, oftentimes talking about what we actually believe became scary. If I tell people that I don't understand this or I tell people I'm not sure if I completely believe this, then somehow I'm not a good Christian. I'll just keep it to myself and somehow then I'll fit in with everyone else. But the true growth we have as people of faith happens when we dare to actually profess what we do think, not when someone else tells us to believe. When we dare to actually step out and say, hey, this is hard for me. Hey, I'm not sure about this. When I was a kid, I often felt that I was the one person in the Sunday school class who was filled with questions and doubt. And I didn't want to be like Thomas. I was ashamed to admit that I was. But as I grew older and I started to share my own questions and my own um, ponderings about things, I found that most people actually were in the same boat as me. Most people actually had the same, same difficulties in faith. And before I knew it, I found I was having these spirit-filled conversations where people would say, well, I'm not quite sure about this, but this is where I've experienced God. And while I've never had a dream or a vision, I think God showed up to me in this one experience where people surrounded me with love. And all of a sudden, God's spirit seemed alive and with me. And I was so, so thankful. We forget that Thomas wasn't the only one of the disciples who doubted. In fact, all of them did. In the Gospel of Luke, when the women go to them and say, hey, we've seen the risen Lord, the first disciples say, that's an idle tale. We don't believe you. And there's even a line later in Luke where the disciples are touching the risen Christ. They're touching his hands and his side. And the text says, while they were rejoicing, they were disbelieving. 
We don't preach on that one very often, but it's a great line. While they were rejoicing, they were disbelieving. They were doubting what they were seeing as it stood in front of them. And so why should it be any different for us as people of faith today? As we look around the world and we ask the question, where is God? Show up, God. Allow us to experience your love and your mercy. Let us see you. And there are times we're going to be disappointed. There's times that we're not going to be able to hear or see anything. But I do believe that indeed we are blessed, as our scripture tells us. Blessed are those who have not seen but come to believe. Because it is in sharing our experiences that suddenly God is revealed in mysterious ways. But ways that leave us still searching, still pondering, still seeking. So my hope for all of you is that perhaps today you can tell some of your questions, some of your doubts to each other. What do you struggle to believe? And how have you maybe seen God show up? Maybe we could even give Thomas a new nickname, like Truth-Telling Thomas, or Tells It Like It Is Thomas. That's the one I like the best. But regardless, I think we need to quit, quit criticizing Thomas and celebrate him Because indeed, Thomas was blessed, and so are we. For God comes to us with love and peace, inviting us to trust and being with us even when we don't. In Jesus' name, amen.